0: Our emphasis is Luke 10-2. And in that verse, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me as well to Matthew chapter 9. It's Jesus telling us to pray. And, uh, you don't have to look very far and talk to very many people to see how desperately we're in need of prayer today, do you? And this, uh, what we have on the screen is our, our emphasis. We support the North American Mission Board. It's the group that we that we support to to, to to do church planning and to do missions here in North America. And we're going to look at some statistics today that will probably surprise many of us. Statistics about North America and how many people we have here that don't know Jesus. But if you see up there on the map, they, these are all the strategic... Uh, regions and cities that we're trying to reach. We're trying to do church planning there. So just, if you didn't know this, uh, every bit of money that you give to Rocky Mount Baptist, a certain portion of that goes not just to international missions all around the world, but to start churches in some of the most unchurched areas in the United States of America. And we know, if you've studied church at all, uh, at least American church, back in the 1950s, things were absolutely wide open. In fact, many of the Baptist churches that are in existence today, at least Southern Baptist churches, were started in the 1950s. And we know that if you were born in the 1950s, you're part of the baby what? The the baby boom. And that was when people were returning home from war. So many of these young men had where they were so thankful just to be alive. There's a man I knew in Greenville, South Carolina and he uh, served on the Yorktown in World War II. And his testimony is this. As I saw those Japanese planes attacking and those, those bombs coming down at us, he said, I told the Lord, Lord, if you ever get me off this ship alive, I will dedicate my life to Jesus Christ. Now that's, that's a testimony and When the Lord allowed him to live through that, I mean, the man was in his 80s and going out on Tuesday nights to tell people about Jesus for that church's version of what we call reach out. But what we saw post 1950, the church grew in 1950s, but since then, so many churches have moved out of the cities. And we know in just a couple of decades, 80% of the world's population will live in the cities. So what we're trying to do is emphasize church planning, not just there, but also in every place that we possibly can. Now we have a little bit of Rocky Mount Baptist Church history here. Y'all ready for this? Alright. This is the first meeting place of Rocky Mount Baptist Church. This is, uh, Oakwood School, later called Railroad School, and this is from our historical room. In 1879, Rocky Mount Baptist Church was organized in this school building. It was located five miles from Rocky Mount near the Franklin, Pennsylvania railroad tracks on Route 40 East. And some of you probably know where that is. Uh, some of us do not. But now notice this and then look at what you're in today. A little bit of a difference I mean, imagine how they took the Lord's Supper in this, this small school building, 1879. And then the Lord blessed, the church grew, and this is a picture of the previous sanctuary right out here in the 1950s. Now look at all those people. You see it way in the back, y'all got that? You got kids, you got banners, I mean that was the day to remain, you had your checklist. And we were looking, Fred and I this past week, we were looking at some records from the 1950s and it was absolutely phenomenal how many people the church was reaching during that time. And if you don't know it, but Franklin Heights Baptist Church here in town was actually started from this church. It was a mission. We had a number of families leave here and go there to start a work in the other side of town. And we know that God has blessed Franklin Heights. And by the way, we should be very excited about that church. You know, we're not in competition with anybody. Number one, because we're on the same team. And number two, as we'll see in just a few minutes, there are more lost people in Franklin County than the churches have room to hold. Seriously, we'll see. It blew my mind. And I love numbers and statistics. But uh, this, was, this was us back in the 1950s. And then here's another picture. This is the groundbreaking, as far as we can tell, for the uh, fellowship hall and the Sunday school space over, if you've seen this section of the building. This is way back in the day. They're breaking the ground. And, And notice how everybody's dressed. Suits and ties, baby. All of that. That was, that was what happened. And God was blessing. I mean, not only did they have a, a church building that was packed out as before they built this one, but they were building educational space and a place where you could fellowship. And that's Baptist code for overeat. All right. That's what that means. The fellowship hall. And God was blessing in so many ways. But then, um, then we, we don't exactly know all the factors here. But I'm just going to give you some statistics here starting from 1990 up until um, this goes through 2010. 1990 we had 0 baptisms, 1991 we had 1, 1992 12 baptisms, 1993 4, 1994 four more baptisms, 1990 uh 5, 6, 1996 one baptism, 1997 one baptism, 1998 two baptisms, 1999 zero baptisms, 2000 two baptisms. 2001, 2, baptisms. 2002, 0. 2003, 8. 2004, 10. 2005, 3. 2006, 1. 2007, 2. 2008, 2. 2009, 0. 2010, number 1. So what we've seen in our history is God moved upon a man's heart. John Lee Taylor in 1879 to start a work of the Lord in a place called Rocky Mount, Virginia, in a little schoolroom. Now before anybody realized that God could do something in Rocky Mount, God gave a vision. And God always works through leadership to give people a vision. I'm not talking about necessarily you're having a dream and you have a prophetic vision with dragons and snakes and things like that. I'm not talking about that, but a goal, something you believe that only God can do. And let me just take a moment to note here before we get into our text that God can give you a vision to reach people for Jesus, no matter what your occupation is. You don't have to be a church planner. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. But if God has given you a desire deep inside your heart to see people say for the glory of God, you. You get that vision and you run with it. Amen? I'm so glad that John Lee Taylor said, you know what? There's not a whole lot in Rocky Mount. This is 1879. Civil War wasn't too long ago. We had a lot of people in the area that were killed from that. This is kind of a backwoods area, 1879. But I believe that God is calling me to plant a church in Rocky Mount, Virginia. And He did. And through God's grace, we're here as a result of God giving someone the vision i remember when i got the email from fred this was uh in the spring of 2010 and i came up here and we we're talking about me coming to be the pastor of the church and i prayed about whether i should share this or not but i think i should uh there was a, a man he's no longer with us and he met me in the uh the kitchen and uh, he was part of the church and said just so you know um there's not much you're going to be able to do with Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Now, number one, it's not much what I can do. It's what God can do. Amen, church? It's not us. It's Jesus. And he said there's nothing to bring people in the area. He said there's no potential for church growth here at all. He says the people that we have are just the people that we're going to have. And what we should probably do is just, you know, basically find a smaller building that would be, you know, more in connection with, our, with the size of our congregation. We had about, uh, on the average, 40-something, maybe 50 people. I was told if 50 people were here on a Sunday morning, uh, we would be really excited, according to one long-term member told me that. And some people said, now Jeff, if you had been here 10 years ago, there would have been so many more people, but we had so many funerals. I want you, all of us to understand one thing, that if a church does not plan to reach the next generation, the church is planning its own funeral. We all realize that. It's not an issue of young versus old, middle age versus children. It's an issue of the gospel is for all people, of all age groups. And the beautiful thing about the gospel is that it destroys this thing called the generational gap. That's why some of you in here, you've worked with people who are generations above you or below you, but you're working for Jesus. You know, I have some friends in Europe, and they, we've had some interesting conversations about the European church. And I want to give you just some statistics that you may or may not be aware of, of Christianity as it is in Europe. And this is according to um, an article from Global Post. And it says, just 51% of citizens in the European Union's 27 nations said they believe in God when questioned for in a 2010 survey. In Sweden, Estonia, and the Czech Republic, that number fell below 20%. By the way, there are more people in the Czech Republic that believe in the existence of aliens than believe in the existence of God. Although they said they believed more in the existence of some, quote, spirit or life force, 40% of the French declared that they believed in neither God nor spirit, along with 30% of the Dutch, 27% of the Germans, and a quarter of the British. In the 20 years up to 2010, now get this, the Evangelical Church of Germany closed 340 churches and is considering, in Germany, the land of the Reformation, considering giving up another 1,000 churches. The Dutch churches in the Netherlands are reportedly closing at a rate of two per week. And it's not a very big country. Around... 4,000 churches remain out of the estimated 19,000 Dutch churches built since the 13th century. From 99 to 2010, the Church of Sweden says that it lost an estimated 800,000 members. Even in the traditionally more devout Catholic countries of Southern Europe, faith is under pressure. A survey released in February showed 70% of Spaniards describe themselves as Catholic. A fall of almost 10% in a decade among Spanish Catholics. Just 12.5% attend Mass at least once a week. In comparison, 40% of Americans describe themselves as very religious and normally attend a service at least once a week according to a recent Gallup poll. What we see in Europe will be the future of the United States or the future of the United States will be that people, if something doesn't change, people will say, culturally, I'm a Christian. What that means is that I identify with uh, being a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist or a Church of the Brethren, but I don't actually participate. I don't live out my faith. It's just a cultural thing. It's either that or it goes down the road to Europe. Now, if we had time, we could go through all of the statistics about how the church is absolutely exploding in the communist world and in the third world. Places like Brazil, other aspects of South America, Central America, in Honduras. God is just pouring out His Spirit. But what we're seeing statistically is that the traditional historic bastions of Christianity, Europe and North America, us and Canada, or the 51st state, but don't ever tell them that, All right, those groups Christianity is declining. Well, what does Jesus have to say about this? Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, the Bible says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers or the workers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His his harvest. And the question for all of us this morning is, are you available? Are you available to be used by God to reach North America and our community of Franklin County, Virginia? Now, notice there in verse 35, Jesus is basically a lone gun. Notice it's Jesus. He's the one. And what is He doing? He's number one teaching. He's teaching them what the Word of God actually says versus what tradition says that the Word of God says. You see, in Jesus' day, the the religious establishment had twisted the Bible into a way that you earn your way into heaven. A way that you justify yourself before God. But Jesus came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill Know the law. So Jesus came and He absolutely turned His guns towards the false religion of the day. And not only that, but Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing their diseases and afflictions. He had compassion on them. We studied last week in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful. And you say, now Jeff, what is the, what is the harvest that Jesus is talking about here? The harvest that Jesus is speaking about is he's using a, an agricultural metaphor to illustrate there are more people out there who need God than there are people to tell them about God. We all tracking? Jesus looks out. And he's not, he's not looking at the wheat. He's not looking at the barley. He's not looking at all the fig trees. He's looking at the people. And he's looking at all of these masses of people. And notice what he says. He says, or in verse 36, it's the observation. When he saw the crowds, notice that he saw the crowds. Which means that Jesus pulled his eyes away from himself. Now Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? We cannot say that Jesus is selfish, but this is a small point of application for us that in order to see the crowds, we have to look beyond ourselves. Amen? And it is so difficult for most of us to get beyond ourselves. And here's what I mean. That's beyond my comfort zone. I'm not used to that. That's not in connection with my personality. Well, praise God, the power of God can help us do above and beyond what we ever thought we were able to do. Whether you're an extrovert, whether you're an introvert, Jesus can use you to be a worker to bring people to Him. And He had, verse 36, what? He had compassion. Compassion for them. It wasn't just a feeling. It was something that moved Him to action. And why did He have compassion? Notice what the text says. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So many people in our community today, we're so connected. I have my phone right here, and yes, it is off. Unless you're a drug dealer or a doctor, you don't need your phone on church, right? We're so connected through, through Twitter and text messages and, and technology. But so many people could sing that. Some of y'all country music fans, the old Hank Williams song, I'm so lonesome, I could cry. I mean, how many people today have no one that they can go to? Because we're so connected, but we're so relationally disconnected in our culture, in society. I've been amazed by the people that I that I meet, and I don't even know them that, that well. And they come and they say, Jeff, I need to talk to you. I don't have anybody. I'm like, you don't have anybody else to talk to. Where has the church been? You see. And they were harassed. They were harassed by Rome. They were run under the boot of a brutal empire. And not only that, they were harassed by the religious leaders who told them that you had to do all these things to be accepted by God. There was no one preaching the love of God they were all preaching that you had to do something to get God's love. And here comes Jesus onto the scene and He's telling these people who God really is and did such a beautiful thing. I hope that you realize that. To be here on a Sunday morning, not to hear me or not to hear music, but to see that God's Word is preserved and that Jesus still saves. It's not a preaching point, but whether you realize it or not, Jesus can still change people today. He can. He can. And they were helpless. They had no shepherd. Praying with compassion. Jesus looked upon them with compassion. Let me give you a text to write down. It's First John chapter 3, verse 17. The Bible says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Simply put, if we see someone starving and we don't lift a finger to help their hunger... How can God's love abide in us? And let's take it a step further. If we can see all the people around us that are unchurched, that are far away from God, that are unsaved, that are on their way to hell, and not do something to get the gospel to them, how can the love of God abide in us? I want you to think for just a moment. If you didn't know Jesus, how would you want the church to respond to you? Would you want them to come and reach to you? Let me give you some lyrics from Casting Crowns. The lyrics go like this. If we are the body, the body of Christ that is, why aren't His arms reaching? Why aren't His hands healing? Why aren't His words teaching? Why aren't His feet going? And you say, Jeff, give me, give me just a breather here. That's in Jesus' time. And nobody knew about Jesus then. Because He was new on the scene. Is there a harvest today? If you're taking notes population of North America is 349 million. And there is a typo, I think it's a combination of too many energy drinks and not enough sleep. It should be that there are more than 263 million people in North America that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Three out of four. Tom Rainer says in his book, The Unchurched Next Door, quote, only or 84% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if invited. That means 84% of people that you come across, if you as their friend, as their coworker, as their new friend say, Hi, my name is, the 84% chance if you show genuine interest in them that they will come to church with you. Another statistic here from his book that's The Unchurched Next Door. Quote, Only 2%, y'all, y'all get this, 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church. 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in a given year. It's time for a checkup. Y'all ready for it? He's like, he's going for my toes. No, 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 no. We want the Word of God to impact our heart. Here's the question. How many, If you're a member of Rocky Mount Baptist Church, how many people have you genuinely extended an invitation to in the past 12 months? Just think about it. We know that people today in America are struggling. Let me give you some statistics. Out of an average 100 Americans, 7 are struggling with depression. Some consider suicide. 8 are struggling with the loss of a job. 7, abuse or are addicted to drugs or alcohol. 14, feel crippled or trapped by fear and anxiety. 60, don't profess to be born again. 3, are grieving the death of a loved one. What that means is that we are surrounded by brokenness and lostness. Let me give you some statistics here. Say, Jeff, we know that North America, those big cities, those places up north, obviously Canada, very unchurched, very unchristian. But I did some research, and here's how we're doing in Franklin County. Y'all look on the board. In Franklin County, we have 16,000, this is a 2011 survey here. 16,656 evangelicals. That means everybody across the board who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and you can't get to Him by being a good person, but it's only grace through faith. Got it? Alright? 16,000. Population of Franklin County, 2011. A little over 56,000. The unchurched or the non-Christians in Franklin County, 32,000. A 2010 survey. 32,840 people that are unchurched in Franklin County. Not in Roanoke, not in Charlottesville, not in D.C., not in Detroit, not in New York City, but here in Franklin County. 32,000, that's over half. So here's the translation. Not out there, but here in the crooked road, the place to where banjos are lauded as instruments of God himself created on the eighth day of creation. The down home place of Franklin County, the home—can I get a witness in the house of the hub? Come on now. The place to where people know. And some of you are like, "Man, I grew up here. I couldn't get away with anything. It didn't matter what I was doing, where I was. Somebody knew, and word got back." To you know, and I I couldn't. It's a close knit community, but in Franklin County, these are the statistics. This right here is our little uh, Franklin County Missionary Baptist Association report from 2012. All of the Baptist churches in Franklin County um, send in their statistics. And I was going through this, and praise be to God, per capita, Rocky Mount Baptist Church uh, in 2012 reached more people than any other church in the county, given the amount of people that we reached and members that we had. Can we give praise to Lord Jesus this morning? To Jesus, we praise God. And I remember when I came here, I really did not know what to expect. I didn't. I said, you know, there's a generational gap. My style is... My style, and whether y'all knew this or not, most of my earliest preaching experiences was with youth groups and in jail. I'm like that explains it. That explains it. All right. And I know some people who are from a more traditional, uh, laid back, you know. Uh, background in church when when you and I can't help it I know for some of you it still scares you you're leaning back on the pew like oh my word he didn't just have a NOS energy drink when he went to visit that person the other day he had four this morning and you're still scared it's okay I don't bite I love you Jesus loves you okay we can be friends but I honestly didn't know how it, how it was going to work out we even had a sweet little British lady that says I love this church it reminds me of the church of England I was like we got to change Got to, alright? Can we be honest this morning? I, I honestly didn't know what was gonna happen. I said they may fire me. I may make some of the best friends in my life. And go look on the website. The first message that I preached on, it was on traditionalism. And I didn't, I didn't know anybody's hearts. I still don't know anybody's hearts. But, but I came, and this is to the praise of Jesus. I, I call so many of you my friends that I can hang out with. And there are people, I mean, I got a text message from a guy yesterday at a, he went to a pastor's conference and they did a, they were doing a session on, on change in a church. That, that curse word. If you ever look it up in the church dictionary, it's a bad word. All right. Really, really bad. And it was about change. And he says, man, we heard what God has, has been doing at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. And we wish you would have been able to come and share some of those things. I'm like, it's not me. I'm not the ones that are going out. If we had time, most of the people that have come to Christ in Rocky Mount Baptist Church, I, I didn't know them. You knew them. And Jesus laid them on your heart. You brought them to church. You brought church to them. They came and they're changed today for the glory of God. It's not me. It's Him through us. Just a few things that we can celebrate for God's glory that He's done among us. In the past three years compared to about the past twenty, he's brought us one hundred and eight new people to join officially, not just people who who come. And Brother Calvin, I remember it wasn't but my second or third week That Calvin Cummings was about the only person on this side of the church until about halfway. And Calvin, I love you, brother, because he had his Bible open. He was tracking with me. He's like, it doesn't matter to me if I'm the only person within five pews. I'm coming to church. I'm going to open my Bible. And I'm going to worship Jesus. Amen? And we're not trying to embarrass people. But there needs to be something said for that. For the group that stayed. And the group that said, we believe that God can do great things. Even though some would tell us to close up shop and sell it or just give it away and we'll just blend with another church. Now for some churches that refuse to give control to Jesus, that's the best thing that can ever happen. Amen? Right? If you're not going to use it for God's glory, give it to somebody who will. But not only that, but God has led us. And so many of you went to the mission trip to Costa Rica. Not only that, but God called Susan from among us to go to India for a year and work with women who were coming out of sex slavery and human trafficking. And God led led us to a 100% vote. And this this is something that maybe some of you don't know. We were aligned with the General Baptist Convention of Virginia. And I'll just say it. They had come to a position where they were not willing to affirm that this is the Word of God. We're now aligned with a group who does and we can do missions with. 100% vote on a Wednesday night. I got a call from a preacher and he says, how in the world did you do that? I said, I didn't. Got together with our deacons, went through the facts. Ben Robertson, you interrupted me, Ben. Halfway through the presentation, you said, we need to get out of this. George Amos, same thing. Godly men. Godly men. Who said, we want to stand on the word of God. So that means that when you give on Sunday morning, you don't have to think this money is going to be go to use for for abortion advertisement. No joke. But it'll be used for Jesus. And then I remember when when it first came, uh, the nursery area, some of y'all remember this? Nursery area is mostly full of boxes, wasn't it? It was the catch-all. Had boxes back there, didn't he? You go looking like, man, all these just cardboard boxes. You know why? Well, because that was the best place to put them because there were no children. Wanda and Jessica, thank y'all for letting God use you. Now not only do we have kids back there for nursery, but they're being able to learn God's Word on their level in what we call Children's Church. And they even sang Happy Birthday to Paul Ware on his 29th birthday last week. That's awesome. And God raised up Matt to give us a website. So many people find us through the website where people can, if they miss a church service, they can go on there and hear God's Word. And Elaine, God, raised you up to do the women's ministry. You've got a group of women that meet on Sunday night to study God's Word and to pray. I remember Miss Pat, it wasn't too long after I got here, it was a, it was a what they call not a low uh, prayer meeting, but a light prayer meeting. It was you and Homer Graham and myself. We said we two or three gathered together, he is there with us, and we study God's word. We got our chairs around in a circle, and so many of you have been so good to say, you know what, I'm not just gonna come on Sunday morning and see what I can get out of the sermon. I'm gonna come and pray that God would I'm gonna pray on Wednesday night, that God would show up on Sunday morning. Because if you just awkwardly show up and there's no preparation, what do we think's gonna happen? There have been new Bible study groups. Those of you that are teaching new classes, God laid upon your heart a burning desire to say, I want to teach God's Word. We had a young adults class, and I know I'm going to get in trouble here, but they have been the young adults class for for a while, and we didn't have a a young, young, young adults class. All right? I think it just made a mistake, but all right, we're just going to let it fly. And and we've been able to reach people of all different age groups in the youth. I remember we had Greg and Bianca. And now we have students that come we have children we have men from our church that go to the jail in Rocky Mount to tell the prisoners that Jesus can set them free The giving, we give praise to God. The giving has significantly increased so that we could be able to do ministry and do mission trips. And glory be to Jesus, we've got an annual business meeting. Now, if you've not been in church, that doesn't mean a lot to you. But what that means, if you've been in church for a while, is that there's not a lot of fighting, uh, backstabbing, complaining. People get together, they say, how best can we use the money that's given for God's glory? We get it done, and then we serve and minister. And this past summer, Jerry, I don't think we've got sound. That's all the kids that came for VBS. Y'all see that? 167 people, the most we've ever seen in the history. Back to 1879. Maybe they had a real big year pre-1910 or something like that, but we lost the records or something. <laughs> they didn't get historicized in the historical room. I just made that up. <laughs> and one thing that I remember, there's a man that I was able to share the gospel with, one of the men that you invited and brought to church that was invited by someone else that was invited to church by someone else here. Now get that? And I just shared the gospel. Wasn't anything fancy? And he, and he said this, and I wrote it down in my notes so I wouldn't, wouldn't forget it. Quote, I've never heard it put like that before. Franklin County boy. Whole life. I've never heard it put that way before. And here's a question that has been haunting me, and as your pastor, I don't know the answer, but here's the question that we must ask ourselves. How will God say to Rocky Mount Baptist Church, well done, good and faithful servant, when we live in a county with over 32,000 unchurched people and we've only reached a little over a 100 in three years? So many of you have been so encouraging. You say, Jeff, we're so excited about what God has done. He's brought us so many new people. (laughs) That doesn't happen in churches of our size, in areas like like us. Well, we know that it's God, but the question remains. How will God say to us, good and faithful servant, well well done, well done, good and faithful servant when we've reached 100, when we've got 32,000 more to reach? You say, Jeff, what is God's heart? Notice there in verse 37. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray. Pray. Most of us as Americans were doers or pragmatists, we're utilitarians. We say, We want to get it done. Chef, how can I help? We want to see more people saved. We, we don't just want it to be a church for us. We want to see people come to faith in Jesus. There's some things that you can you can you, you can do, you can you can give. So then we can do missions and, and you can participate in the worship services. Even if you don't know the song, still try to sing it. Amen? Amen. Alright? If you feel led to raise your hands in worship, have freedom to do that in Rocky Mount Baptist Church. When you come on a Sunday morning, don't look for people that you know. Look for people that you've never seen before. I know for some of us, if you've been here for a long time, you say, Jeff, I don't really know anybody. I mean, there's so few people I knew. I know now. We're used to. I used to know everybody. (laughs) But not now. Well, guess what? you got some work cut out for you. I want I want every single one of you that are part of Rocky Mount Baptist Church whenever you see somebody that you've never seen before don't go don't go give them one of those awkward church side hugs where you say we just want to love on you brother don't do that that's strange we don't we don't want to tell people we want to love on you may not be communicated correctly but go and get to know them praise god step out of that comfort zone and say what are you doing for lunch today invite them over to your home take them out to eat let them know that you are so excited that God has brought you here and if we come in you know, like he, I know I, I he's he encouraging us and he's gonna you know gut, gut punch here on right. Jesus says um, what prophet is you what what profit is it to you when you greet those who greet you do not even the publicans the same gang members greet each other criminals greet each other people who are like each other, greet each other. So let it never be in the house of the Lord. We call this building here that we come and look for people that we know. You can talk to them throughout the week. Amen, church? You find somebody that you don't know. You can get involved in a Bible study class. You can come pray with us on Wednesday night. You can come visit with us when we do reach out to go encourage some of the people who desperately need encouragement. Now notice here in in verse 37 when Jesus says, He says the harvest is plentiful. It means that it's overflowing. When I went to Romania last year and we went up to that mountain camp, the most beautiful place that I've ever been to. And they had, I mean, every sort of fruit tree that you can imagine. And there was so much fruit on these trees. It was ridiculous. It was like, God, you've already shown off enough with all these beautiful, the foothills of the Carpathian Mountains. But I mean, the, the trees were overloaded with fruit. And we were walking. Well, you would pick a piece of fruit and you'd eat it. And then you'd walk a little bit further and you'd pick up. But there was more than the whole camp could eat. That's what I think about when Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful. And notice when He says, Pray therefore earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out. In the Greek language that the New Testament was written in, that word is ekbale. It literally means to send or to drive out with force. Translation for us, let's pray that God rocks people's worlds. Let's pray that He rocks their boat. that He pushes not just them. God, God, I pray I pray that you would send people to reach people. It's not just pray for them, but pray that God would use us to do it. Some of you have been looking at this, thinking what in the world is on the stage? This right here, if you can see it from the back, it says Rocky Mount Baptist Church service honor roll. The best we know, this, this has not been updated in a long time, but this is the list of Men in our church area who answered the call to fight in World War II. After the service, I encourage you just to come up here and look at some of these names. Some of us, we, we never met those men. But as you're looking at this service honor role, a call was given in World War II and they answered. A call was given saying that freedom needs to be defended. That tyranny has taken over Europe and the Japanese are conquering all of the South Pacific. They've invaded Manchuria and China and if no one answers the call, we will no longer be free. And these young men, teachers, farmers, mechanics, all across the board, they walked up to that recruiting office and they signed on the dotted line and said, you can count on me. I will stand on that wall. I will answer this call. These brave young men signed up and manned up and answered the call to defend their country and their families. And not only that, but to defend people. And many men died and laid down their life for men and women and boys and girls that they never even knew for the cause of freedom. If you've read Isaiah 6, he sees this vision of God and God is high and lifted up. It's so overpowering, the presence of God. And then this voice goes out and says, who will go for us? Who, who, who will go for us? This is this is God. Who will be my messenger? Who will reach people for me? And Isaiah, you can almost see this prophet go, go into kid mode, seeing how great God is. And he says, here am I. Here am I. Send me. But you see, these words of Jesus are not just extending a call to defend a great country and a great cause, the cause of liberty. But it is a call from the King of kings and the Lord of lords saying, Rise up, a three years. It's my grace in your life, but you've got 32,000 more to reach just in your area. It is a call to answer, a call to arms, a call to humility. It's not a call to a new program, but it's a call to say, here am I, send me.